Hallelujah. <clears throat> Sorry, I was just crying during that video. God is so good, and He is. Uh, I say it all the time. I will never bring to you something that by the end you don't say, God is so good. Because that's what I believe and I'm convinced of. And until God chooses something different for me to talk about, I'm going to talk about His goodness. Um, so how are you this morning? Um, I see you tuning in. I, I can see you in the prophetic. You are still in your pajamas. You have coffee in your hand. I mean, you lucky bums. You guys just get it, get it, watching the TV and stuff. Well, I hope to bring you a message that uh, even tastes better than your coffee this morning. Hey, bless you. Um, we're talking about faith over fear in this series, and I'm so grateful to be able to come to you in whatever way possible. I wish you were here. I wish you are saying amen, um, laughing to make me feel good at my stupid jokes. I just wish you were here, but I know that, like I said in the worship, there's no limits, there are no bounds to what God can do, and God can meet you this morning. If, if you just, just tune in, maybe turn it up a couple volumes, and uh, let's do this. Faith over fear. We'll open our, open our scriptures or our Bible to Psalms 27. I just want to read just a couple of scriptures about what the Bible tells us about fear before we even go anywhere, because there's nothing like the word of God. Faith over fear. So here we go. In Psalm 27, verse 1, if you got your Version Bible app or, or your actual Bible, man, my wife got me this Bible. I don't know if I shared this on Sunday morning, but Oh, I've been in it. I've been, I've been in it. Uh, I usually do you version, but there's nothing like uh, the word, the word to touch and to mark up and stuff. It's good stuff. But I'm going to read from my piece of paper right here. Uh, Psalm 27 verse 1 says, The Lord, you can read it with me if you want. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? That's for you right now. That's for you in this season. Someone out there. The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? Isaiah 41 verse 13 says this. For I, the Lord, Yahweh, the great I am, are your God. I am your God who hold your right hand. It is I who say to you, fear not. I am the one who helps you. The Lord will help you today. The Lord wants to be there for you. The Lord doesn't want you to do it on your own. He doesn't want you to be striving in your own strength, trying to figure it all out, trying to understand his ways and put all the puzzle pieces together. He is the one that holds your right hand and says, fear not. I'm the one that helps you. He helps you today. Amen. Amen. God, you are so good. Would you pray with me as we get started? You tell us so many times in Scripture to fear not. Never, never once have I seen Jesus say, be afraid. He always says, be not afraid. I pray for my brothers and sisters this morning. God, whatever fears they have, even anxieties and depression and whatever attacks of the enemy is on their life, I pray for, for the heaviness to go in Jesus' name. I pray for burdens 
to fall off in Jesus' name. All the weight, all the sin that so easily entangles and catches us up in America and in our cities. God, would it all fall off as we fix our eyes on you, Jesus. Hallelujah. The Spirit is so strong in this room, and I pray that it be that in your room right there. Wherever you're listening to this, on podcast or online, on YouTube or Facebook, Holy Spirit, go with them. Touch them right now. Touch them right now. Lift them up in faith. Look to Jesus, son. Look to Jesus, daughter. I don't care what you did last night. I don't care what type of hangover you're waking up with this morning. The Lord can touch your life. In Jesus' name. Come on, someone say amen. Someone give God a hand clap of praise or whatever. Oh. Nothing happened here. <laughs> but, okay, so, man, God is good. And I'm excited to get into this. I'm excited to see what the Lord does. When I was a kid, I was a, a what we call in Cumberland, Maryland, a scaredy cat. Do you, you guys know any of them? <laughs> Your friends or, I mean, I was a scaredy cat. When um, I went up, wow, just a story came to my mind. See, that's how it works when I, when I preach, just things come to my mind. But uh, when I was a kid, I was scared to go to sleep. I was really afraid. I'm, I'm not, I don't know what it was. And my parents didn't watch crazy stuff. Like, my dad did scare me and say the monster's going to get me when I'm going up the steps. I mean, maybe that, maybe that was it. But but they weren't like, I mean, trying to say like the Robert, gonna, no, they would say, Jesus be with you. I can't remember when I didn't have faith in Jesus my whole life. And I, I'm telling you, I was just a scaredy cat. I have the story, the story that just popped to my mind, which is really cool for the season. There was a time when I was, I think, third grade and, uh, you know, Santa Claus, I was scared of Santa Claus. Um, not really, I don't know, I, I don't think I was scared to sit on his lap, but there was something about Santa Claus coming into my house at nighttime that just, that just really like messed me up. It really messed me up. So you can ask my parents. I told my mom, so when we put the milk and cook cookies out, to write a note to Santa Claus and say, like milk and cookies, all this type of thing, leave the presents, don't come in to Dustin's room. <laughs> she had to write that to Santa Claus for me to feel good. Because I, I just imagined me sleeping and him walking in my room and just, oh man, that, I, 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 don't, <laughs> I don't know what it is. So this like big tough guy or whatever that played college football and stuff, like I'm telling you, growing up, I, I, was, I was scared. Do you know anyone like that? So if you're a young person and you're scared when you go to sleep or whatever. Uh, but, but one thing that did happen, too, I was about 10 years old. Um, Dad always said, you know, when you're scared or you can't go to sleep or something, and um, read the Bible. And, and that'll, like, put you to sleep. I don't know if that was, I don't know if, like, the purpose was, like, reading's boring. So that'll put you to sleep or, like, his peace. I think it's his peace. One time I was scared and I opened up Scripture and... Um, I think it was Proverbs 3.24, and I have it in my old Bible, and I, it's like terrible kid handwriting, but it's, 
and God showed me this. And so if you're a young person watching right now, the Lord can speak to you. He doesn't look down on you because you're young. You have the same Holy Spirit. And so when you open the word, God can speak to you. And so I opened up the word and I started reading, when you lie down, you will not be afraid. When you lie down, your sleep will be sweet. Have no fear of sudden disaster of the ruin that will overtake the wicked because the Lord will be your confidence and will keep your foot from being snared. And I remember that even to this day. And I didn't even have that in my notes. But that's for someone today. And, you know, I was a scaredy cat, but I was telling Chantel the other day, like, I wish that I could be this 28-year-old man and say to little Dustin, don't be afraid, man. It's going to be all right. You're going to make it till you're 28. Or, or like, you know, no one's going to come in your house all those years. Like, I, I wish that I didn't go through those seasons of fear that were so unnecessary and it was so unhealthy for my life. I, I don't know if you've ever experienced that. In the, in the same way, like for you uh, younger people, let's say like... Uh, young adult age or high school age that you, I, I don't know if you think about your future, but like what job I'm going to have or what person I'm going to marry. And there's all these types of things that I would be fearful about. And I wish now that I have a wife and now that I have a couple kids, beautiful kids and everything, and God has provided all the way. I wish that I would just be able to tell myself in the past, just say, man, just relax a little bit. Just enjoy the journey for the Lord will provide. The Lord is faithful through and through. So whoever that's for, young person or old person, the Lord can bring you through and he's faithful to complete that he worked, the work that he started. He doesn't stop. He doesn't stop because of COVID-19. He doesn't stop because we can't meet in person. God is still working. And so is Jesus at his right hand. And we're called to have faith in him, right? But so many times we allow fear to get the best of us, even with faith, don't we? Let's just be real. We do. What does faith look like? What does scripture say? Hebrews 11.1 1 is an awesome scripture. Let's just look at faith for a second. I believe we have the slides in the Version Bible app if you want to look at that. Um, shout out to Tim Skiles. That's awesome. Thank you, man, for doing that. Um, so Hebrews 11.1 1 says this. Now, faith is the assurance of things hoped for. The assurance of things hoped for. The assurance of things hoped for. The conviction. I am convinced it is the evidence of things not seen. That's faith. Faith is the assurance I know. You say, well how, well, how do you know? I know because of faith. Because you can see it? No, I'm convinced of the things not seen because of my faith. And Hebrews 11:6, a few verses later, says, And without faith, it is impossible to please God. For he who comes to God must believe that he is or that he exists and that he's a rewarder of those who seek him or those who diligently seek him. We must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who diligently think, uh, seek him. Think about faith now. You say, well, well, Dustin, you know, in the past, I, I had so much faith. 
I had so much faith. You know, things were so good in my life. Uh, I was being able to kind of see my future. God was providing for me. I had work. I had this job and, and, and all this such. And, I go, and you think about it and you go, well, is it, well then is that really faith? Because we're supposed to walk by faith, not by what? Sight. I heard you. Not by sight. So if we can see it, is it really faith? No, because during times like COVID and during seasons where you, you, can't, you can't necessarily see the goodness of the Lord in the land. You can't necessarily see the fruit on the mountaintop. You can't necessarily see the green pastures. That's the time when the genuineness of our faith is tested. That's the time when real faith happens or can happen. It's in the times of not yet. It's in the seasons of not seeing it. It's in the seasons of the mountain in front of you. That's when you have the ability to actually have true and genuine faith. Maybe, perhaps, that's the time overseas and stuff when the persecution of the Christians are happening and all those types of things, which that's happening right now. They can't see all the good things, but yet they have faith. And you know what happens? limitless things happen. I mean, miracles are happening. All those types of things because of the dependency on the Lord where, where real faith is happening. And I'm not here to judge whether we have real faith or not. I'm, not. I'm not doing that. I'm not going there. But what I'm saying is just check yourself if, if it, how do I say this? Real faith, you know, like if I can see it, is it really faith? Because faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the convictions of things not seen. Not seen. So it's, it's making that first step even when you don't see. It's believing in the goodness of the Lord. And I, I would have lost hope if I had not believed that I would see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. I, I will. That's, that's looking ahead. That's what we believe, church. And God is not finished with us yet. God is not done with you yet. And even though you see a mountain, now is your opportunity. Now is your chance to have real, genuine faith. And believe and take heart and not be afraid. That, that is faith. And without faith, it's impossible to please Him. Why? Because... Because someone who comes to him must believe that God resists. And I love this part. I love this. He doesn't just say, well, you have to have faith. And you just believe that I exist. Well, he says, believe that I exist. And you know what else? Believe that I am a rewarder of those who seek me. Believe that I am a rewarder of those who seek me. That's awesome. So the time of our faith, of, of real, the testing of our faith and the genuineness of it is not through the mountaintops. It's often through the valley. It's often through the barren places, the deserts, and the wastelands. But I believe, behold, I do a new thing. God's going to do a new thing. Can you see it? It's rising up. He's making a way in the, in, in the wasteland. He's making streams in the desert. And we believe that. Amen. That's our faith. So we have this faith. A lot of us believe, and you know, we can't see Jesus. So a lot of us have, have faith. Those of us who are in church today, those of us who believe the salvation of the Lord, that is called faith. Why? Because you can't see it, but you believe it and you're convinced of it. That's faith. But so often, even though we have this great faith, even though our faith is truly an anchor for the soul, we have this ugly headed enemy. 
that brings this other thing. And it's called fear. And don't delegitimize your faith because you have fear. But at the same time, I, I want us to realize that, that fear is not supposed to sit on the throne. Fear is not supposed to stand as the supreme ruler of our lives, right? Faith is. Jesus is. He holds supremacy. He's the one seated on the throne. But let's talk about fear. Um, I like to look at fear uh, in, in two ways. Um, I don't know if we're doing Yeah, we're doing the slides. Great. Josh, I, do you have like 10 hands? I don't know how you're doing it, but amen to you. And <laughs> okay, so um, healthy fear. This is the way I like to look at fear. I like to look at fear in two ways. And I'm not saying this is perfect. This is just me. Okay, this is like, I guess, opinion. Healthy fear versus unhealthy fear. Okay, I, I believe there's a healthy fear in the Lord. There's a healthy fear in life. And there's an unhealthy fear. So let me just take you. I like to kind of relate things to certain things. And I'm a roofer, I guess. It kind of sounds weird to say. Uh, but like I, I do a lot of roofing. Um, uh, like my hands are like kind of dirty right now. I mean, that might gross you out. But I try to clean them. I, I remember as a kid, we would go to dinner or something. And like dad's hands would be like dirty. And you'd be like, Dad, like, did you not? And I, I think it's just like a permanent thing. Like <laughs> doing construction and stuff is just like, my hands are just always going to be dirty. I don't know. But uh, Dad's cleans, hands are probably cleaner than they've ever been, boss. No. <laughs> but uh, healthy fear versus unhealthy. So when I started out roofing, um, you know, we did it as a kid a little bit, but then after college, you know, I was doing ministry and, and uh, helping dad and doing things like that. And uh, I would be on the roof and, and, you know, you end up learning, like I've, I've came a long way. So it's been about like six years of like consistent, consistently doing it. Um, but at the beginning, you're like fearful, um, like if you're not used to it. Right. And uh, dad would say like, you know, that's, that's, that's like, it's like a healthy fear, you know, like a healthy fear because, right, you don't want to fall off the roof and die. So, so it's like, it's like kind, kind of a, a rational fear. But then when, and this was like happening in my mind because I'm an overthinker and I'm a deep thinker and all those types of things. Are you with me? Like, that's just the way I am. So I started to think, well, you know, it, it is a healthy fear, but you know, dad's like, being health, having healthy fear and still being able to do all the stuff. And so like, I'm like, this is getting to a point where it becomes unhealthy. Like my legs are shaking and I'm like <laughs> paralyzed and I'm like not able to do the job. You know what I mean? And I'm like not able to do the job that I'm intended to be. So it's like this, there's this, there's this thing that I'm thinking of happening in my life. I'm like, okay, so while I'm doing this roof and there's like a healthy fear, right? That like, uh, you know, I, I want to be under control, that it's protecting me. And, uh, you know, I want to watch my footing when I step. I don't want to be too confident, you know, all these types of things. But then there's a point where it can be unhealthy and it actually can be very dangerous because if you're on a, you're on a roof and, and sorry, bear with me if you're not following, but if you're on a roof and like you're like fearful and afraid and you're like trying to do stuff, you actually can make it worse because you, you actually like, can fall off, not, not because you're like too lax, you're like more tight and you're like paralyzed, okay? So think about this in life, okay? So there's a healthy fear, I want to talk about healthy fear, uh, w which protects you, okay? 
So like, just uh, let's think of the Lord, a holy fear of the Lord. I, I fear the Lord, right? We're called to fear the Lord. They say, well, that just means reverence. Well, it actually says fear. So we're, the fear of the Lord, okay, brings protection for those of us who fear the Lord. Not, not, I don't fear him for his judgment, but, but he's holy and he's set apart. He's not like me. He is so different. He can't think like me. His ways are higher than mine. His thoughts as the heavens are higher than the earth are, are, are above mine. And so the way that I look at him in, in such a way is not to draw away from him, but it's a way of uh, I have a holy, healthy fear of the Lord and it brings protection and it brings humility and it actually makes me empowered to be able to do the job and to, to live the way I'm supposed to live. So that's healthy fear. But then there's an unhealthy fear. There's an unhealthy fear of the Lord, but there's an unhealthy fear of seasons and situations. Maybe even an un unhealthy fear of COVID-19 or unhealthy fear of your future or unhealthy fear, which, which creates worry. And what is it? It's dangerous. Unhealthy fear. And that's what we're talking about. Faith over fear, we're talking about unhealthy fear, is dangerous, often irrational, according to Scripture and according to God's ways and what God desires to give to our lives. He tells us so many times, be not afraid, don't be afraid, it's I, I'm with you, I'm holding your hand. It's often irrational. It paralyzes us. I know in the church today, there's some people that are, that are fearful that they're going to uh, like do God wrong or fearful that they're going to say the wrong thing. And you know what it does? It paralyzes them. They're no longer sons, they're slaves. And we're not called to be slaves. We're called to be children, sons and daughters of the king, not fearful of the Lord. So it often paralyzes us. Being so afraid of disease or famine or viruses it can be growth stunting. You can stop. I know I wouldn't necessarily say that I had a crazy, unhealthy fear when COVID began. But what I did was have great uncertainty of the future. And you know what it did? It caused me as a, as a leader, I'm just being honest, as a leader to stop. And it stunted my growth. It paralyzed me. And it, and it limited me from being the flourishing, exciting, creative leader that I desperately long to be for your children and your students and even for you. And, and that's what the, it was. It was unhealthy because because I stopped. Wait, wait. Is, you know what I mean? I, is, is God still going to complete the work that he started? And he is even through uncertain times and even through fear. And it's limiting, and, it, and this unhealthy fear, it causes worry, it causes anxiety, it causes depression, and the list goes on and on and on. One of the biggest tactics, I'm just here to tell you about the enemy's schemes, one of the biggest tactics he does is try to grip you through fear. He tries to grip your life and keep your heart from beating the Lord's heart. It, it, he tries to, tries to keep you from living freely as a son and a daughter with a crown on your head, a royal priesthood set apart. He tries to keep you from believing in the future. He tries to keep you from enjoying the journey. He tries to keep you from resting in his providence, his provision. He tries to keep you from resting in the beauty of his spirit. He tries to keep you from worship. He tries to keep you from living this life God's called you to live in full view and full vision. That's what the enemy tries to do. And oftentimes it's through fear. And he can grip you so strong. 
He can grip you so strong. Maybe there's some right now that the enemy has a huge hold on your life. You are so fearful and so afraid. You can't even see what's next. You don't even want to wake up in the morning. You don't even want to get out of bed because you're so afraid. I'm here to tell you today. In Jesus' name, may the chains leave. May they fall off. And I believe for you, you'll see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Not And not die. Right here and right now, where we're living and breathing, you will see God's hand on your life. I believe it in Jesus' name. All of the chains that were on your life from the enemy and yourself be released in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. I say that in faith over you and only by the authority of Jesus. The enemy has no power in in this church. The enemy has no power in your household, in your room. The enemy has no power on you, young man, you young daughter. He has no power. He will roar like a lion, but his power has been shot at the cross of Jesus. Let's stand up and let's rise and give him praise. Hallelujah. I want to have faith. I don't want to look back when I'm 70 years old and say, Dustin, I wish you weren't so fearful. I wish you would have trusted in the Lord. I wish you would have believed him even when you couldn't see it. I wish you would have made decisions and made choices and went places that you never thought you could in faith without seeing. The Lord would have done so much more in your life, Dustin, if you wouldn't be, it wouldn't have been paralyzed by fear. So what do we do? What do we do? It's easier said than done, right? Faith, right here. And fear, right here. And you say, Dustin, everything you said, I know. I know that it's true. I know I've read the scriptures front to back, I know. But what in the world? I still feel so fearful. What is the key? What's faith? Over, I, I'm trying to have faith. I'm trying to believe. I'm trying to trust in the Lord. Well, that's a good start. Believing in the Lord, saying his word. You know, I was praying over this message. You know, I, that's how I kind of like start out. It's like, you know, if it's faith over fear, let's, let's see. Okay, let's look at faith. And then, and then if, it's, if we're talking about fear, it sounds practical, but let's, let's look at fear. And how do you overcome fear by faith? And the only way I saw in scripture, and don't turn me off. This is not some surface level thing that I'm talking about. This is what scripture says. The only way to overcome fear is through love. 1 John 4 says this. 1 John 4, 16. And I just want to remind you that I did not write this. This is scripture. John wrote this inspired by God. So don't look at me. Unless I'm on the screen, then you can look at me. I don't. (laughs) And so we know and rely on the love God has for us. So we know and rely on the love God has for us. God is love. Let me just backtrack because at the beginning in 1 John 4, I think it's 4, it's 
Greater is he that is in me than he that's in the world. Amen? Greater is he that is in me than he that's in the world. Okay? And then we talk about, so we know and rely on the love God has for us. God is love. Not the world's definition. Not even Dustin Wharton's definition. God in the purest genuineness, the most pure, innocent form of love with no strings attached, no negative motives or the perfect intentions. God is love in, in that form, in 1 Corinthians 13 form. God is love. Whoever lives in this love lives in God and God in them. Like I said, this is scripture. This isn't me. This is how love is made complete among us so that we will have confidence in the day of judgment. And you're called to have confidence in the day of judgment. In this world, get this. In this world, we are like Jesus. Another place it says, as he is, so also are we in this world. Another translation says that. Verse 18. There is no fear in love, but perfect love. Everyone say perfect love. Come on. Perfect love drives out fear. I'm going to say it again. You didn't get it. Perfect love drives out fear. I said it. Perfect love drives out fear. Go ahead and say it. Perfect love, it drives out fear. For fear has to do with punishment. And the one who fears is not made perfect in love. I didn't say it. The Bible did. We love, therefore, because he first loved us. Perfect love. Love casts out fear. The word there, drives out, is balo. It means to throw or to let go of a thing without even caring where it falls. As, as Jesus cast out the demons from people, so his perfect love casts out fear. So you say, what do I, what do I, why, why do I have fear? Well, I'm not, I'm not the one to tell you why, but just check your love level. Check your abiding level with the Lord. So, so first, if, if perfect love, I, I love that uh, John says perfect love. Where, let's, let's talk about this for a second. Where does perfect love come from? First of all, the only one that can love perfectly is God. The only one that can love us perfectly is Jesus. And if you don't know salvation, if you don't know that God has shown his great love for you, that while you were still sinning, while we were still spitting in his face, he chose to die for us knowing that we might never return the favor, knowing that we, even if we do return the favor, we will still, I will still spit in Jesus' face. He chose to die for us while I was still sinning to show his great love for me and for you. And this is perfect love. If you don't know that love, you have to start there. We have to start there at the cross of Jesus. 
You have to, and, I, and, and probably end there too. I think we start and we go, and then we end at the cross of Jesus. Uh, Lord, I thank you. Come on, right now, let's just thank him for his perfect love. God, I thank you for loving me even when I don't deserve it. God, I thank you for your blood poured out for me. I thank you for the 39 lashes on your back. God, I thank you, God, for all that you've done, the sacrifice you've made for me, a worthless, wretched man, God, that you called worthy. You called that you wanted to have me in your family. Jesus, I thank you for your perfect love. That drives out all fear. And I believe it. I believe it. I believe it. For you and for me, if you accepted Jesus, praise be to God. There's a celebration in heaven over one sinner that repents. And we want to celebrate with you. Praise be to God. Thank you. So remind yourself first and foremost of the perfect love of God. But I don't, I don't know if it necessarily stops there. The perfect love of God. It's amazing. It's beautiful. There is nothing like it. There's nothing like the love of God. I believe, you know, I've said this before, but I believe if we saw the gospel in its purest form, I believe that it would be the most attractive thing the world has ever seen. Now, how to do that, how to release that, how to share that, I don't know. So oftentimes I feel like I just stand in the way. But if we could, in its purest form, share the gospel with people, it would be the, the most attractive thing this world has ever seen. But I don't believe it stops necessarily right there with his perfect love. Because I know a lot of people that know Jesus' perfect love, but yet... Still fear. Still suffer with chronic fear. Anxiety and wake up day, day in and day out with hopelessness. I've been there. I've been there in seasons where you just feel, gosh, you wake up and you're like, what are we living for? And you know, like you know the scripture. And first thing I do every single morning is open up scripture. But oftentimes my emotions and things just don't fall in line. And I know the perfect love of God. Then what? So I was reading this book um, over the last month uh, or so, uh, trying to be like a good husband. <laughs> I, 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 try to be, I try to be a good husband, Chantel, you know. Um, but I was reading The Five Love Languages by Gary Chapman. And you guys probably know that. And I challenge you, man, if you're a husband or, or even a young person, or, it, I think it's important to talk the language of your spouse. Um, and and that, was, that was crazy to me. Um, but one thing that I realized was that love, and this might sound very simple, but love is a two-way street. It's, it's, not, it's not one person pulling all the weight. It's two people agreeing. And I thought about God's perfect love and how he is so perfect at loving me but oftentimes I'm not the greatest at loving him back. And it's, it's not our goal to be perfect in loving God back. But I thought about my part in this. And I thought about my fear and my anxiety and my depression my, and the things that I've struggled with. And, and, and then with, with Chantel is like, so 
she loves me, but there's something about when I love her that I receive more of her love. And it's not that she's withholding anything. It's just us connecting, talking her language, speaking her language, the things that she loves and the things that she appreciates. And it's not that she was ever withholding her love from me, but there's something about when I love her that I receive more love. I receive more from the Lord. Love, if we haven't forgotten, is a two-way street. And the Lord is not only the perfect lover, but we may have some fear because am I loving him back? Am I loving him back? And I'm not talking legalism. I don't know why we do that sometimes in the church. We go, when you're trying, it's legalism. And when you're not trying, it's grace. No, I'm grace to be saved. But then I have a lover that takes work. And I want to please him. I don't want to please myself. And my flesh desires what's contrary to him. So I have to go against it in my discipline and in my daily walk. And I want to love the Lord. And I want to please him. And I'm not trying to earn my salvation, but I'm resting in that gift and still wanting to please him. Can I get an amen? Amen. So what does the Lord love? The Lord loves those who worship. The Lord loves those who love his word. The Lord loves those who pray and seek his face. The Lord loves those who give him glory. The Lord loves those who rest in his finished work, as I said. The Lord loves those who want to please him above all else. The Lord loves those who take communion in remembrance of him. The Lord loves those who love his children. The Lord loves those who love his bride, the church. The Lord loves those who trust him completely. Amen. Amen. And that's just a starting place. It was never intended to be about legalism. It was never intended. It was intended to be about love and about relationship with a good and perfect father that first showed his love and then we respond. He says in John 15, he says, my command is this, love each other as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, to lay down one's life for one's friends. Think about this, to lay down one's life for one's friends. And we thank Jesus for always doing that for us. But have we forgotten that we can love Jesus back by laying down our life for him? <laughs> Greater love has no man than this, there's no man than this that it would lay down one's life for one's friends. And Jesus being our friend and our brother and our advocate, we can come to an altar or we can bow at a couch or we can bow our head and we can give our life for our friend, Jesus. Therefore, in view of his mercy, offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. Faith over fear. The only way to get over fear and stand victoriously in the position of faith, I'm not saying stand victoriously in salvation. We are because God is victorious and we stand there. But to stand in faith is to continue to stay. That's something that Gary Chapman said was, what was your love tank like? 
What's your love tank like? And so continue to stay in this connection with the vine. Continue to stay abiding in the Lord. And then there's where fear is cast out. There is where fear is drowned out, where fear is driven out. So to finish, I just have this thought, and I'm not gonna put this on you as always, if the shoe doesn't fit, don't wear it. If it don't fit, don't wear it. Kick it off, whatever. But there's, Jesus tells John in the book of Revelation chapter two about this church in Ephesus that does all of these things like amazing. Like literally seems like there's nothing wrong with them. But then, then he says, uh, here, I'll, I'll, just, I'll just find it real quick if I can. And he said, you've, you've persevered, you've endured hardships for my name and you have not grown weary. Yet I hold this against you. And I, 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 this is so important. You have forsaken the love you had at first. Consider how far you have fallen. Repent and do the things you did at first. I don't want us to try to do it in our own strength. We're not a church that does it in our own strength. The amazing thing about God's perfect love and his grace is that he loves us so perfectly and then he doesn't just have us to love him back. He actually empowers us to be able to love him back. It's amazing. He doesn't just leave us on our own. That's why we have the Holy Spirit inside of us to give us that ability to love him back. But it does take intentionality. It does take us giving the Lord time like you're doing this morning, giving the Lord time to speak to you and to shift your mind back to true north, to to take the compass of the Lord and his holy word and his holy spirit that leads you into all truth and saying, okay, God, search me away at me and lead me to the way that's everlasting. So let me pray for you. And then we're going to sing a final song. And I want you to give the Lord time. Don't just turn this off. I know we have a lot to do today. It's a great, beautiful day. Let's give the Lord another five or 10 minutes here, right, right here. And let's just listen to him. Jesus, I thank you for my brothers and sisters. I thank you for their hearts. For those that are suffering with fear, I pray that they wouldn't feel guilty for it. They would know that that's just, that's a, that's a typical response to what's happening in the world today. But Lord, we, we don't have to stay there. We can return and remember, first of all, your perfect love. What you've shown to us, what you've shown to us in the past, 2,000 years ago, and what about yesterday? And what about a year ago? And all those things that you've brought us through to be here today. God, you've been so faithful. We thank you for your perfect love. God, give us the strength to love you back. Give us the strength, Lord, to please you. Even in this time, we have times, some, some of us have cleared our schedules. We have things that we can't even do in this time. Maybe it's a time that we just return to you in prayer. Say, I want to love you again like I did at first. I want to love you better. 
I don't want to be doing all these things for you and forget to love you and cultivate my relationship with you. God, you're worthy of my relationship with you. My heart, we love you in Jesus' name.